We are I. Everybody and welcome to another edition of We Are I. We're sitting down here with Sean McKellum. Uh, but Sean, welcome to the episode today. Hello. Uh, Sean's got a great and amazing story to share. We're going to get to know Sean a little bit first and then he's going to get into uh, an accident that he got into, how he recovered from that accident and where he's at today. And uh, I know you guys are going to thoroughly enjoy this episode. So um, we're going to get into it. Sean, uh, fill us in a little bit about your past. You know, you growing up, you as a kid, athletic, non-athletic. Um, I'm 35 now. I always lived in Langley. Um, I stopped playing hockey when I was four to when I was about 16. Um, I water skied, snowboarded, um, skateboarded. Um... Hockey, what uh, what level of hockey did you play? You know, because you played hockey for quite a few yeah, years, did uh, you? Uh... And when I was 15, I was on the Cloverdale Bantam AAA team, and we, I think we went undefeated during the regular season, so. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, like, like skiing, snowboarding, did you go Loka Hills, Whistler, um, go around? I went mostly went with snowboarding. I went mostly to a Seymour every night after I got back. Um, at the time that I was snowboarding, I went to a skate shop, so kind of went two, two, two together. And... How come How come Seymour? How come not Grouse or Cypress? What was it that drew you to Seymour? Um... I had the season's pass for Seymour, and um, that was just the hill that I kind of learned on, so. Mm-hmm. And I went to Whistler maybe two or three times. Yeah. yeah. Is it something they just did just for fun with buddies, or is it, did you get out there really get after it? Um, it was something made my fans did every Pretty much every night after work. So. Oh, that's awesome. So you guys must have banked a ton of hours in on yeah, the Yeah, we, we got a money's worth for the season pass. Oh, for sure. sure. <laughs> what was some of the craziest stuff that you did on the snowboard? Um, not that much. I just uh, can do it like a 360 and um, could do grind and all that stuff. So Yeah, so you kind of tested a few of the skills you like to take a few risks and stuff and all yeah, the, yeah. the crazy stuff like the rodeo fit flips and all that. Uh, I don't think I'd try to flip, but I wasn't that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's just a certain part about getting out on the hill yeah, and, you know, yeah. especially I love Seymour. I go up to Seymour all the time too. And there's just, there's something about, you know, kind of being up in the, the deep cove area and, you know, nestled back in the mountains a little bit that I, I love that hill too. I think it's absolutely amazing. And the view. The yeah. view is like spectacular. Yeah, and you know, it's it's a lot different of a view than when you're at Grouse or Cypress and stuff too, I find. I, I really like, because when you're up at the top, you, know, you can see both ways, like, you know, back towards the valley yeah. to downtown, and you just kind of get a real panoramic view. It, it's it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I uh, said you did like a little bit of skateboarding. And... Um, yeah, just local stuff. Um, wasn't that good at it. Um... It's just kind of more of the things you did to stay active. And... Yeah, yeah, just because that was the time before all the video games, all that, and we would like to stay outside. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's a big part of BC, living in BC culture, you know, any excuse to be able to get outside or, you know, to have yeah. that sport that pulls you outside the door and, and get out. So we, we all have one of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so kind of give us a little bit of a, a breakdown here. I know we were talking before the podcast uh, you know, about the reason why that you came down. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, being obviously on the skateboard and snowboarding and hockey, you know, you kind of like more, you know, physically challenging or like semi-risk environments. Uh, but, uh, you know, kind of, you know, walk us through, you know, what happened on the day that, you know, led you down the journey that happened um, after that. It was like... um. So they can I'll, I'll tell my story. Um, in about two thousand two, 
um, my friends and I were at the Dojing's Ox, and um, one friend was leaving, so I grabbed his skateboard, <clears throat> and um, I guess, I, well, I don't guess, I, I held on to his car when he was leaving, and I either got a CB bubble or hit my cover and fell backwards, hit the back of my head on the concrete. So you guys were just, he was driving down just a regular paved road and you were holding on to the back of his car and he was driving away. How fast do you think he was going? I couldn't I, I can tell you. I, I don't remember that day. Don't remember I, I don't remember anything of that day. Um. Was there anybody around who's seen what was going on to kind of shed some light on the event? The, it was probably 2 in the morning in the industrial area. Um, we were on the road and my friends were the loading, the loading docks area, which is probably 50 feet away. So I, get, I, I don't really know how fast he was going um and there's shrubs so i couldn't so they don't know if i got speed bubble from him going fast or if i hit a man cover and i went fell backwards and hit my the back of my head on the concrete um they saw my shoes fly up um I was conscious, conscious. Conscious, yeah. Yeah, when I when it happened, so they came. I want to get back up. They came over and helping help me down. My other friend, he ran to ninety six, so he could tell the ambulance, but where what address we were on. Um, then the ambulance came, um, and the police, and the ambulance took me to Royal Columbia Hospital, and, um, the... Do you remember any of this part? No. So all this is just kind of what you remember from people telling you? Yeah, this is what I've been told. Okay. Yeah, um, and so my cerebellum... Which is um part that is part of the brain that um works with your balance and your know, some functionality your sight and all that. It was it was swelling. It was bruised and swelling and pressing on my brain stem, and it was continuing to swell. So they had to. Do emergency brain operate brain surgery, and they had to remove part of the cerebellum because if they continued to swell up and press against my brain stem, it would kill me. And then I had a a blood clot on, on my left temple, so they fixed that or whatever and then um, did they do all these surgeries at the same time or i don't know i could not tell you and as normally something i want to ask my parents um i i assume that was maybe two step two different surgeries um because usually the blood clots come a little bit later and whatnot so but then after that i was in coma for six weeks and i was in icu for a little bit and then was it a medically induced coma to help you recover as far as i know i was i fell into a coma oh okay so so it's something that your body triggered the coma response you went into a coma it wasn't something that the doctors medically... No, no, none that I've been told, so... And that was for six weeks? Six weeks, yeah. What was it like when you when you woke up after that six weeks? Um, when, like, the... 
is in the out. I can't, it's not like you, it's not like you, it's not like when you wake up from a sleep at night, it's you don't just immediately wake up. For me, at least. For I, like, it's patchy. Mm-hmm. It's like some things that remember, some things that don't, and. How long did it take after you woke up that you could really start to remember day-to-day activities or just, you know, interactions with the doctor, you know, your parents, anybody else that was there? Did it, did it take a few days or a week to kind of get your, your feet back underneath you? I, I couldn't really tell you. Um, I remember some things that happened at the one hospital and then... It came more clear when I was transferred to another hospital. So, but where did you where did you go after Royal Columbia? Oh, I was transferred to a lane hospital for three months. How long were you in Royal Columbia for in total? Probably about three months. About three months. Yeah. And then you got transferred to Langley. What what happened when you got to Langley, or what was the what was the reason why they discharged you from Royal Columbia and sent you to Langley? Well, my parents lived in Langley. I live in Langley, so it's closer to home, and so um, but Columbia is more of a trauma hospital too, so they had to clear some. Like they they didn't have to clean house, but they had to like make room people. for more more emergencies than than I was at that time. And they knew must have known that you were stable at that time, yeah. and they felt comfortable with releasing you to another hospital because, like you said, it seems like that Royal Columbian is more for you know like immediate injuries or more severe than what they thought you were at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what was it like at Langley when you got there? And by this point in time, are you can you understand what's going on? Like, do you have memories of that I, time? I could rem- I remember most of Langley. Um, like my grandparents would come and visit me like pretty much every day. My mom and dad would come every pretty much every day. So, and my friends they would constantly be in um. So, what did, what did you do? Because you said that you were in, in Langley for three months, right? Yeah. What did you do for the three months that you were in Langley? Well, for, for Langley, um, I had a, a trach- trachea surgery. So um, if I don't know how to explain it. They put a tube down my chest here, down my chest. Um, and Down I your had, esophagus, yeah. yeah. And I had like a whole thing mm. and with oxygen coming in. And then I couldn't eat for, I could not eat myself, could not eat myself until about sometime 2004. So and I, this all happened in 2002? And it is all in 2002. So I had a tube in my esophagus. Um, intestine mm-hmm. um, that would and then they would hook me up to a machine and I get my food um, three times a day and yeah did they food. did they explain why they you know had to put the tube down your throat for oxygen or this tube to be able to feel it was it because they removed a part of your brain to be able to reduce the swelling or the blood clot or just the whole experience it was like I, I had pneumonia one time. I had this chest infection, so I not really a hundred percent sure why it was the uh, why I had the trachea. Um, probably about five months since the injury, they closed up the tube and I could breathe on everything through my mouth and by myself. Was it when you started breathing on your own again? Was was that experience very organic? Did it happen naturally or did it did it almost seem foreign? Like it, it, it seems like your body had been through so much trauma by that point. It it was um 
it was kind of like, because like whenever I was taking on wheelchair, you had to get like a separate oxygen tank and everything. So if like it was very time consuming, getting getting me ready to go outside and go for a walk for the, my parents and whatnot. And so when it was when I was able to breathe by myself, it was kind of a relief. Cause you know, like, well, I'm not that much of a, I'm not as much as a burden as as I was, kind of thing. Like, yeah. Did you feel any guilt when you were going through this? Because you just said you felt like a burden. Did did you you know you said your your parents and your grandparents and all your friends were coming to visit you quite regularly? Does that anything that you worried about that at that point in time, or you look back on it now where you felt like it was just. Uh, so I, at at that time, I did not think about it, but now, if I think about it, um, some things, it's like, wow, like, it kind of hits you, like, they had to do much stuff for you, like, kind of, to, you have to really, pre- you, you don't to really appreciate what they went through to have experiences with you. Yeah, and it really is times like that that we all get to open that door to the people in our lives of, you know, how much they really love for us and really care for us. And it's amazing to be able to see that on one side, we never want to be able to test our friends and our family like that, but the, the times when it happens and they pull through for us like that, it's truly amazing. You and and you really find out who is really your fan. Absolutely. Um. So after the one question that I had is, you know, because you said when you when you go outside, but were you bound to a wheelchair the whole time? Yeah, I I was in a wheelchair pretty much the whole. I was Columbia. I was mostly bedridden. There was a few, a, a few times that I remember being in a, a wheelchair. Um, Langley was pretty much a wheelchair too. So, did you ever try to walk, or did um, they tell you that you you couldn't walk? Or did you feel like you could walk? Well, I I had the beginning of physio physio. And okay, the Fezua and World Columbia, they just had me setting up and that hurt. Like, I hate it. Like, I didn't want to do it. But the. And just sitting up normally, like legs out in in front of you. Legs legs out in front of you, you're sitting straight up, and that that hurt. What what hurt the most about that? I just. I, I can't tell you, it was just painful. And when I was at Langley, they were putting me on a, a version table. Mm-hmm. And, um, upside down? Well, no, not no, oh, sorry. Um, okay. A tilt table. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, to get you to sit yeah. up straight yeah, in. Yeah. Okay. To the standing position. And yeah. um, they would slowly do that. And, like, um, it took a while. It took a long time to get the whole, not to you was like standing up straight position, cause it just like it was it, there pressure. It was it was like you, all the blood flow, all your blood's moving, cause it's used to being pulled on the laying down position, and when you are going up, it's moving to your the blood's more moving downwards and yeah just down like it but you have to do it you know and those are the those are the struggles that there's gonna be very few people in this world that are ever gonna understand even what that feels like yeah. to you know where most people think of what it feels painful to sit up would be tightness in the lower back or you know tightness in the hamstrings you know something like that but you know to not even identify to have so much pain in your body just sitting up that you can't even identify with one area or aspect like yeah. it just you know it goes to show me that there's just obviously a 
an underlying tre- tremendous amount of pain going on in your body physically, mentally, emotionally, the whole bit. Yeah. Um, so then when, you, when they were putting you on this inversion table and getting you to stand up, how long did it get you to, or how long was it before you started to feel comfortable being in a, in a vertical position again? Um, I could not tell you that, um, they would, like, they slowly increased the time to like from like a couple from like say 10 seconds to like so low they increase the time and then you would it'd be like you would be able to have a conversation and you are standing up and that then it feel good um so that that would help you pass the time and then um, how how long would they get you to stand for at one time? Was it like as long as you could take it, or did they have like a, a program they followed that we'll do it for two minutes today, four minutes tomorrow? I, I think it was mostly the physiotherapist decision what he thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, where did where did they progress it after that? So did they wait and say, okay, well, Sean. Once we can get to standing up vertically for 20, 30 minutes, then we're going to go on to this next stage, or was there anything, or where did they go with it after they just got you standing up straight again? After they got me standing straight, I remember um, there was Kamba that I was strapped in, so I wouldn't have to hold myself up. Um, but then they had like a a uh, tall table for with handles so you can for the for physiotherapy so they would get me to like stand up um from my wheelchair and hold myself standing for a while until like I could not do it anymore and then I would that was the, the beginning of the physiotherapy of the hospital. Okay. So. Was it the, your your arms that would get tired just trying to hold yourself up, or your legs would they give out? Do you do you remember what that experience was like? It must have just been completely foreign to you to. Yeah, that I don't remember what it would be. I would assume it would be my legs first, cause my legs had like no muscle, cause you lose something like three percent of your muscle mass. Um. Uh, every day or something mm-hmm. yeah, so. well and just you're talking by by the time you got to that you were about five months in the hospital yeah, yeah right. so that's you know basically just laying out there in the bed not doing anything mm-hmm. if you didn't use your hand for five months even without an injury you you'd have a foreign feeling mm-hmm. how yeah. to be able to use it yeah. so uh how long did it take from that process before you you know kind of could stand there on your own to feed or what was the process like learning how to walk again and stand up on your own well they as far as i can remember i, I didn't do much walking with a, a walker of any type at landing they when i was discharged from Langley, i was sent to dear strong which is um uh, we have a hospital which they have you most you mostly your day is self for rehab so you have a uh, an hour or hour and a half of physiotherapy um an hour hour of um your motor skills and working out with your hands and all that and then i also saw a speech therapist because when i was in when i had the treasure in i could not talk so that was about five months of not being able to not be able to talk um and even right now uh, i have a like as you can probably tell I have a speech impairment, and that's part, partly because that's a problem, and so I had to learn how to talk in 
I remember one of my exercises was with my speech pathologist was blowing up a balloon because my I wasn't like my I was not fully ox like oh, I don't know what I'm saying. My lungs were not as strong as they were before. So it took well, your me. Your diaphragm just not yeah. used to expanding yeah. and contracting. So, yeah. It's amazing some of the things that they use that are, you know, they could spend millions of dollars trying to come up with something, you know, to be able to help build that strength in your diaphragm and get your lungs used to taking those bigger, deeper breaths again. It could be something as simple as a balloon. Yeah. Yeah. It took me so long to blow up the balloon. Um, I was like, I could barely whistle now, and I was so excited. I was gonna say, yeah. I could barely whistle, and yeah. Yeah, that must have just been amazing. You know, like those those small accomplishments that you know, like that we should all appreciate in life. But it's hard to be able to, you know, connect with them. But you know, something as simple as blowing up a balloon for the first time again. Yeah. Like yeah. how gratifying that feeling was. I can't oh, even exactly. imagine. Taught the world. <laughs> So did you, was, is there a residence at GF Strong or were you living back at home now with your uh, parents or on your own? I was, when I was um, at GF Strong, they have like a residence there. They have like floors for spinal injuries, um, a floor more for my type of injuries. Um, and yeah, it's, as um, yeah, so you, I was in the room with, I don't think I really had a roommate, but the room itself, and you can, I think the rooms have, you get two or four beds, so, yeah. So then what was the, what was the rest of the process? Like, so, you know, when you got to GF Strong, that's when a lot of the real, you know, physical rehab, you know, came, like you said, with, you know, learning how to walk again, building some physical strength, working on your fine motor skills with your, your hands, you know, working on your speech again. Um, how fast did all those things progress? Was there was there one of them that progressed a little bit faster than the other? Um, I would probably say working with my hands is fast, has gone faster than my everything else. Um, Cause that like there there was a lot there is a lot of stuff between physical like you don't want to think about like you have to you balance when you're like first on four points and then two points four point is on your knees and your hands um two points is one you just on your knees and they they push you and see if you can correct yourself. Um, same with um, four, four points, they want to make sure you're sturdy and then you, when you build up um, four point balance, you have to raise the hand so you have to create your balancing and for your, for your whole body to adapt to only have three except in step four. Um, and then uh, they did a lot of stuff with like lying over and rolling over and cause say if someone, if someone is bound to a wheelchair and they fall out, fall out and like you have to learn how to roll, you have to learn how to get on your hands and knees, you have to learn how to get on your knees so you can like kind of pull yourself up to the wheelchair so there was a lot of um a lot of stuff in physiotherapy itself that that you have to learn as not as much as with working with your hands and all that and yeah you know and it seems you know like you know i've i've done some training professionally in the past where that's they always say, okay, you know, like when there's major injury to the body, that's, that's essentially where you go back is, you know, 
you know, laying on your back and learning how to rock side to side and then, you know, eventually kind of rolling over onto your stomach and then propping yourself up on your hands and knees. And they always kind of just simply put it as like the baby technique, you yeah. know, how, you know, babies kind of progress from, you know, like laying on their back and they roll into their stomach and they prop themselves up. And it's kind of that natural progression, how we learn how to walk in the first place. And then you have to, like babies, you don't want holding on to stuff the same. Yeah. What was the emotional battle like, you know, because you're an athletic guy before, you know, you played hockey, you know, snowboarding, skateboarding, you hung with your buddies and all this kind of, and then you're learning how to roll over again and, you know, getting up on the hands and knees. Did, was was there too much going on at that time to comprehend those things? When uh, I have, when I woke up, I accepted it right away there was no regret so i've never done that in the past much like i've never dwelled on something like oh i could have done this and this but like no no you gotta accept it you gotta move forward so i don't really have any bad memories of um I've always wanted to get better, and like, do you realize how exceptional that really like, that kind of mindset doesn't? That's few and far between. Is that a person who you've always been, you know, or you know, whatever life's gonna throw you, you're gonna take it and just move on from that day forward? Because to be that mentally and emotionally strong, when you wake up from a coma, going through what you've gone through, and just making the decision, saying this is my life now, these are the cards I've been dealt, and I'm gonna progress from here like that takes a lot of fortitude to be able to move on with your life from there yeah um i probably got more positive and the further my life i've gone um like that if you look at something bad badly it's gonna set you back so you just accept it and you just move on and then you make the best of it. And that's always, always try to make yourself better. It's like, it's just a decision you have to make. You know, and it's a little bit of that, you know, like that placebo effect, which we know now is just so powerful where, you know, not entertaining the negative side allows you to focus more on the positive and then helps pull you through your recovery process just that much faster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like uh, a few years ago, a physio, there was a person who was negative. I'm like, I can handle this, and I stopped going to physio. When you were still at GS Strong, was there, and you were, you know, learning how to, you know, essentially roll and you know, get up on all fours and you know, up on your knees. Was there some times that were just incredibly challenging that, you know, even if you're trying to stay as positive as you can, it was just, it was almost felt like it was too much? I, like, I remember when I was first came home and stopped visiting at home at the four point thing, like being at the four point and doing the arm L to the three point, that's always been tough for me. Um, yeah, it's always tough, but yeah. What was what point did you have to get to before they released you from GF Strong? Um, they yeah, you can only stay so long, and so like um, when I was at GF Strong, I was learning how to walk with a walker, and so but then I. Like they was like, well, we have to send, we have to just charge you now, cause we need your bed, we need the spot for a new person. So, but did you feel ready to leave? Like, were you were you ready to get out and kind of get uh, back home and? Uh, I, yeah, I think so, cause well, like, I was allowed to go to my house on the weekends. So my mom learned how to set my food for me and all that. And um, were you eating on your own by this point, or is it still no, through the tube? No, I was still through the tube till two thousand four. Oh wow! Because so. so this was obviously probably summertime two thousand two when this happened. If you were skateboarding, it was July. 
July. 2002, yeah. Yeah, so, and then when did you get released from Geostron? That was about nine months after? About nine months, yeah. Nine months. So it was almost summertime again. When when the one-year mark came around, did, did you feel any, you know, anxiety over it, just knowing it's been a year? Did time just kind of fly by? Time, you don't, yeah, just kind of flew by, and you, like, even nowadays, or like, um, it is uh, on that day, it's like, oh, oh yeah, you forgot, but that's the anniversary day. But, yeah. Uh, what was it like when you when you first came, when you got discharged from GF Strong and you knew you were going home and that phase of your life being in the care of, you know, like hospitals and, you know, professionals daily, what was it like? leaving there driving home knowing that that chapter was completely closed yeah it was kind of um happy um and then yeah it was a good 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 day i had the same like on to the next chapter kind of thing and my grandpa was a carpenter so he made ramps from when we there my dad made parallel bars so i can walk no one tried to practice walking and so and um sorry i just i don't mean to cut you off there i don't know if you saw it just having that kind of support for you i've had support from my family like that too it just kind of choked me up a little bit there for say just knowing that you, your grandpa's out there building ramps you know for yeah. you to be able to get into the house and your dad's building parallel bars and like, it's just amazing how did it feel when even when you got home and seen all this work that people put in to be able to help you? Um, good. Like, yeah, um, you know, my, my, I knew my grandpa and my, yeah, grandpa and grandma were big supporters of, um, the whole time. So, yeah, it's like, it was, it, it felt, like, and just to kind of have to walk back into your house having that kind of love and that kind of support yeah. that's also going to help your recovery process yeah yeah it's like you know like it's not gonna make everything more tough so yeah so what was it when you got back home and you know you kind of got your you know you walked in the door and you kind of you realized that you were there you know, were you at physio every day? Did the physio come to your place? And, you know, obviously, you know, like you said, your mom was making the food to be able to help you with your feeding and stuff. But what, what was the rest of your day like? My mom was not at work then. So, uh, um, I think three, four days a week, we went to physio, which was just down the road. But, um, and then uh, also there was a Swiss pathologist that would come to my house and help me with my speech. Um, also, I had the kinesiologist. He come to my house and um, we were going to either find more skills or more muscle stuff like strengthening myself to get back on that kind of thing. Um, were you using a walker or were you in a wheelchair at this point? At home, at that point, I was using mostly just the wheelchair. I would use the walker at physio. Um, we were working mostly on getting me able to stand um, uh, get up from the same position, stand and take a step and whatnot. Um, then we would work on my aim. So like for um, like something else we do is um, we like throw basketballs and the hoops and just try and like be able to stand there and and um balance when you did such things and throw the ball at me so I have to work on my reactions reaction time um was all this like 
incredibly physically exhausting. Like, you know, I hear people complain all the time about like riding a bike, how tiring mm-hmm. it is, you know, like just like, you know, workouts that are, they're tough, but notice how fatigued people get. But, you know, just hearing you talk about it just seems like it was just, it must have been. Yeah, yeah well, like, yeah, I, I'm, I would probably, I, I like napping, so, yeah. so I'm thinking like I'm a bee. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah, so what you have to do. How, how long was it before you could actually get up and start walking again? Like when was, it must have been liberating getting out of the wheelchair, getting off the walker, like that just must have been a huge turning point. Yeah, um, first we went from the wheelchair to the walker and then um, at that I don't know exactly what the timeline would be. But when I started to be able to do that, it was pretty nice. Um, then I went from the walker to the quad cane, which is a cane with four little... Yeah, the little feet on the bottom. Yeah. Feet, um, so it's more sturdy. And then I went from that to a regular cane. Um, did all those stages happen pretty fast? Like, once you got to a certain point, did... Did you notice the progression just came a lot faster, or did each one of those stages just had to just work and work for you, it? You just had to work and work. Yeah. yeah. So there's no point where you're just like, okay, well, I've got away from the wheelchair, and I'm just at the walker. Things yeah. came by faster. It's just like every one of those stages was just and, like a yeah. match. And just when when I got to the normal came, I was like, you get to the point of your self-confidence, and so you're like, well, I'm going to try and take a few steps without using the cane. And then you kind of like take the risks and then they pay off. And um, were, were any of your healthcare professionals worried about you taking those those little risks, even though they seem like, you know, so small, you know, now, but like I'm sure back then they probably, you know, because you had a brain injury, were they worried about you falling at well, all? Um, Okay, so I I had three three physiotherapists and my third one, um, my girl I graduated with was was working with her. So we go for the walks around the clinic and she would be like either holding me or just gently holding me so she can like feel if I need assistance so um it must be really nice having a familiar yeah it must be nice having a familiar face when you're going through that process yeah was yeah so how do you do you remember how long it was before you know you were able to take that first ever just just tell us the moment of you know when you when you just ditched the cane for the last time, when you knew that you had it and, you know, you were taking those steps, I, like... I just have, but, like, that self-confidence and, like, you know, like, after a while, you are like, well, this is, this is kind of a pain in the butt, and so I'm going to ditch this, and you're kind of, like, slowly taking those steps and then finally progresses, and... First is just use the first little bit after not using King, I would need a person to be there with me. So if I had to have like grab on to someone, they were there. But yeah, just see. Well, it, it must have been a lot or very similar to, you know, when you blew up that balloon for the first time yeah, and just yeah. that exhilarating feeling. And, you know, if anything, like you're saying, you probably caught off guard a little bit too, just, you know, where you kind of, that moment, you know, that we've all seen only in movies, but you've lived it in real life where the person takes those first few steps and then they look at the cane and they're just like, I don't need this anymore. I got this. Yeah. And then from that day forward, they can yeah. walk without it again. Yeah. There's like, because sometimes you bang it, but you it would be like in the vehicle and you leave it in the vehicle because like, oh, I don't want this. And they go, but they put it like, 
he can't ask it and it's like oh well oops <laughs> yeah you know it's like I said, like, we only all have, you know, movies that we've watched and, you know, try to be empathetic to people in those movies. But I just, you know, as you're telling the story, there's probably been four or five times it's choked me up along the way. Like, I I can't imagine. And just knowing that you, as soon as you woke up at this moment, like you were just, you were so strong. You made that, that choice that you weren't going to let any of this stand in the way of your recovery. Like, you were going to get better. Like, life was only better. Like, just because you went through this experience, it wasn't going to hinder the rest of your life. Like, like that's the part that I just find to be the most incredible about your story. Like, there was no self-loathing period. Like, I shouldn't have done that. And, you know, I shouldn't have grabbed on the back of that car. Like, I, you know, like I haven't heard you say any of that. Yeah, I, I don't remember having that thought process when I woke up. And, like, I was just happy. But you don't even have it now. Yeah. Like, there, like, you haven't... But even, like, right now in this real-time conversation when we were talking before we started, like, there's just, like, I don't even get that feeling from you at all that there's just, you know, you don't blame yourself at all for, you know, grabbing onto that car, you know, getting that skateboard, like, that moment. It's just, it was something that happened in your life, and yeah. you just thoroughly accept it, and yet you can feel it coming off you. Like, it doesn't seem like you're trying to lie your way through it you know like because you get that yeah, feeling yeah, from some yeah. people right where you know it's like they're just they're trying really hard to be positive yeah. you know but this is you can tell like i authentically get that feeling from you that this is just you know like, this is just everyday life this is totally fine i got this there's just no problem no yeah yeah, yeah. and and being the my my fan who was trying to cover stuff very good fans so there's no no, like no, no babble between us. And have you have you guys talked about it over the the years? Like how, you know, after he knew that you were okay and you got your you know your feet literally back underneath you, you know, did did he ever open up about how he felt about the whole experience? Um, I just I I heard how he was and how guilty he felt, and like I I don't really he. Like we yeah, we we don't want to talk about it and we just like let like like it's in the past and we both have moved on. He's doing his like he's got a fiance, he has a townhouse, he's doing well for himself now and I'm doing well for myself now. So we don't have to go back to that 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 part and you know, but even that, you know, like it's just a lot of people are, you know, they look for people to blame and they want to blame other people, you know, for being <laughs> in a position that they're in or, you know, it just, it just goes to show the amazing mindset that, you know, not only that you have towards this experience, but, you know, that you just have in life in general. Mm. Wow, it's just, that's crazy. So, um, you know, when you, after you started, like, walking in, like, what, what's been life since, you know, you learned how to walk in, like, are you, are you still in physio, like, after all these years, like, wh what was it like after you learned how to walk in, it, was there at a point where they, all these healthcare professionals were like, okay, Sean, you know, like, it's just, it's you, like, this is your, your life, you know? I, I still was going to physio, well, okay, so, I'll go back to when my kidney saw that this would come to my house, we would, um, work on my muscles and um when I was strong enough at home we finally went to the gym and I would we would work on my upper body and lower body and try and regain some muscles and that would eventually help me in physio because and then I would have the leg muscles and whatnot to help me walk and balance and then um so i still talk to my last physio like la last physiotherapist she her, her she her and the family with like my parents would go away for like said Thanksgiving so she would invite me over to her house for Thanksgiving so 
uh, I'd like to say book close like in that way. But um so we still talk. Um they I they she would challenge me too, like um she would get like a Bosu ball and turn it on the bubble side, like the bound bound part and get me into time balance on the plastic part and when throwing balls and stuff at me. So she, she liked challenging me as much as I liked challenging myself. So when I started going to the gym more and getting more muscles and um, even working at the gym, it, it, challenges, it challenges you enough like when you pick up dumbbell, you have to figure out your balance and you have to plan, kind of plan your walkway so you don't run into things. And um, so it kind of, I was kind of working on my balance and everything at the gym so she was not really um, disappointed when I was coming to physio less because she was new she knew I was doing it well on myself um yeah so so then when you when you got your balance back when she felt that you know you kind of progressed you know down the road enough what she felt comfortable with you know did you start going to the gym on your own did, has the gym always been a big part of your recovery process um after I started going to the gym, I eventually got a switch to a different clinician that just so we can work more on my strength building and um you 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 go there and I, well I would go there I'd be like well I like this I want to be here longer I want to be here more often and then. I would finally go by myself and then do you feel going to the gym and you know having having that access like it was not only good for to test your physical strength but did to give you something you know like you know mentally to be able to prioritize like you know I'm going to get out of the house I'm going to get down to the gym and just really set you for the rest of your the rest of your day if, okay, oh, uh, well, okay this is what I think if have you seen happy Gilmore? Yeah. Okay. You know how it tells go to your happy place. Mm -hmm. The gym is my happy place. Yeah. So it's like everything like you don't think of everything else going on around you, like on in your life, but at that time you're just like in the moment and that's like when you're that's when I'm the happiest, I guess. And you know, it's says such a place that we all connect with that just is all of our happy place or our go-to place yeah. to, you know, wash our day away or, you know, to be able to wake up the next morning. And, you know, the one thing that I found through, you know, doing this podcast and just obviously the career path that I chose, it's, you know, that's our common link. You know, our common link is always just, you know, doing something physically active, you know, feeling strong, conquering things, and just having that healthy environment to go to. Yeah, and like every, everyone's in there, for, everyone in there has a purpose. They, they have a goal. And like, there's no one in there that's going to be like, who has a sad face and moping around, so you know, got to be here. And, no, everyone's happy. And, yeah, and even if those people, if you see them in the gym knowing what you've gone through, those would be the people you yeah. just look and just be like, suck it up, man. You yeah. know, you're in a mope around here. You know, I've been through something a hundred <laughs> yeah. times worse than yeah. you, and I got a smile on my face, yeah. so put one on yours too. Yeah. They, um, tomorrow night, she brought all the call out nine, and um, one, of the, one of the comments on Facebook after she posted her article was, um, I would, the person would say they saw me at the gym um, doing cardio and I would just have like a smile on my face. It's like, 
Yeah. How could you not, you know, like, looking at everything you went through, like, you know, almost a year of being, you know, in and out of different hospitals at GSR and learning how to walk into, you know, standing, you know, in a gym, you know, on an elliptical or treadmill or bike or whatever it was, like, how could that not make you smile? You know, hopefully it's something that you always connect with because that's, that's some true life perspective right Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. How did you meet Tamara? Um, well, I guess it was, uh, 2012, I finally went from, moved from the back centers to the ghost gym, and, um, I like going in the mornings, and Tamara likes going in the mornings, and, um, we would see each other every morning, and then, um, I I wanted a diet plan, and I knew she was like a coach, so I asked her if she can write me a diet plan, um, cause um, a friend my my friend I we had bet that I had to get below so much body fat and so much time, and he bought me a pair of shoes. And, um, did you gain a lot of weight when you were in or because that you were on the feeding tube? Did you, um, I didn't gain a lot of weight. Um, one of my real things was I went horseback riding because horses, when you're on horse, your hips move like they move when you walk. So I was on horseback riding and there was a weight cut off. You can't be heavier than a hundred and sixty, cause there's um a a person walking with you, and they can only carry, can only help you if you're so heavy. So I I hate horses, and so I I made a point to get over one sixty. So <laughs> so I. Then how to go there in the morning. That's probably my heaviest before I met Tamara, yeah. So you specifically just gained a bunch of weights yeah, you didn't yeah. have to go on? I, I didn't like didn't like horses. What was the part they didn't like about horseback? Well, when when I was young, uh, we were at a friend's house and they had horses and they told me to like kick it if I want to go faster. So I tried that, and they didn't like that, and bucked me off. So me and horses had like a bad blood. Yeah, a little bit of a strained relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah so then, you know, you met, was, when did you stop physiotherapy and, you know, seeing your kinesiologist, you know, in relationship to when you met Tamara and, you know, started? I probably stopped physio around 2012, 2012. So you're almost, you were in working with uh, physiotherapists and kinesiologists for almost a decade? Yeah, probably, for, for 10 yeah. years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like my kinesiologist, after a while, I was seeing him less and less, and we only do like heavy leg days together because I was trying to get back to squatting um, and all that, and so. Well, and leg strength, they say now, is like a, if the best predictor for longevity of life, you know, having yeah. strong legs, quick feet, you yeah. know, being able to stave off injury later on in yeah. life. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, learn something new every day. But yeah. um, so then you and Tamara, you got on this diet plan. You know, did did you lose some weight or did you gain some weight? What, I, what was your goal? Well, I my goal, I I had my goal. So my friend bought me new shoes, but after I gone the competition with him, and um, it's like a bug bit me. And it's like I still want to do the competition thing, so I've um I have Tamara as my coach now. Um, I'm doing competitions. Well, I'm um I've done two competitions. Um, and which competitions have you done? Um, the Vancouver, the Van City Showdown. 2017 and the advanced you saw down 
in 2018. Wow, how did you do? Um, or how was the experience, put it that way? Like, uh, like, you know, because, you know, just in perspective, yeah. like, although a lot of time had passed, you know, we're almost talking, like, you know, 15 years, but, you know, you went from a point where you were in a coma, couldn't walk, you were learning how to roll over again, yeah, yeah. and now you're standing on stage at bodybuilding shows. It, it's, um, it was a great experience, and you... The way I say it is I don't I don't lose I only learn. Oh, from, absolutely. So um, I it was a learning experience in both times. Um, I I I like liked it. The what the you you meet people, um, at the show that like someone you're competing with, but then you start. Following each other on Instagram and Facebook and all that, so you kind of like you're you're kind of making fans that way. So like the last last message you saw down, um, on I made like what I followed uh another competitor. He followed me and. We talk buses and via Instagram. Um, another competitor at I'm at Lasso. He works at the same gym that I'm at now. So and we talk. So it's kind of like you know, it's kind of a social network kind of thing. Well, and you know everything that you've done, you that you've described right from you know playing hockey to snowboarding, skateboarding. It's always been with friends you know your recovery process you know is with you know physiotherapists and kinesiologists and you know your family was there to support you and then you know you met Tamara she was there to support you and now you have this this community that you can leverage that's going to set you up for success for the rest of your life yeah yeah and, and it's, yeah you always yeah do you have any are you doing the events that you showed out this year this year I'm doing Tamara's um G-Zone Natural Championships July 27th and Surrey Chandler's place mm -hmm. um yeah that's that's yeah, I just think it's absolutely phenomenal like, and you know one of the big things you know behind this podcast is just you know how you know, being healthy and active, you know, going to the gym, you know, eating to be able to make you healthy and strong, like how much it can just, it can change your life, no matter what adversity that you're, you're faced with. And, you know, I wanted you to come on the podcast today to be able to talk about your story, because, you know, it gives us perspective that, you know, if you're tired in the morning, and you're yeah. struggling, to get to the gym, that it's no excuse. Yeah, you know, no. if you had a long day at work, it's no excuse, <laughs> you know, like all these things, you're just we just use them as excuses, you know, and, yeah. you know, that's why it just, it blows me away with your mindset, how you've approached it since you woke up from your coma, it was just, there's not been any excuses, you know, you've been that passively, you know, that passive mindset, just, you know, man up right from the start, you know, yeah. you just, you just got after it, and you just got it done, yeah. you know, and that's, you know, when people listen back to these, these episodes, and especially this episode that we're doing with you, that, it's like the ultimate expression of that, you know, and I just, you know, I can't emphasize enough that, you know, you never blamed anybody, you never blamed yourself, like you, you knew that this was going to be your life, and you've just, you've made the best of it ever since the day that you can remember. Yeah, yeah. How's your, how's your memory now, like, do you, do you have good days and bad days, or? God bad me you now, yeah, yeah, my, yeah, um, my, my fan, my friend Leanna, she is she, she says I'm a way way better than me than her. So, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, so you know, besides just you know maybe you know like your speech or you know some scars like you just you don't have because you know obviously you walked in here on your own two yeah. feet. You're standing on stage. You're you know killing bodybuilding shows. You're just, you know, great attitude towards life. There's just there's not that much residual effect from such a horrific accident. No, no. That's amazing. Thank you. That's amazing. So um, would you like to give a shout out to anybody to think of all the people that helped you along the way, um, you know, before we wrap this thing up? Um, I want to thank my parents and my grandparents, even though they passed away, but um, 
my yeah and everyone that stuck with me yeah yeah do you have any last little bit of advice or a little uh, a little comment that you could drop to everybody not to put you on the spot or anything but again there's just i i think your overall your attitude and your perspective on life is just incredible you, know, you have a little little tidbit you could share with anybody um just just have to keep going just have to go do it and yeah only um, look forward, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't dwell in the past and just go forward. Yeah. Um, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, you know, do you mind sharing your yep. Instagram, Facebook? My Instagram is Sean F M C C. So it's Sean as um S A A W N F M C C and then Sean McCallum at in uh Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so do you mind if people reach out to you if no, they just want no, to no. hear a little bit more of your story yeah. or just to say, you know? I, I, I ask me any questions. Yeah. Well, I see you tell that you're an open book, and I just, I, I really appreciate, you know, you coming down mm-hmm. here today, and, you know, you know, obviously we share a mutual friend in Tamara, but I really wanted to hear nothing about your mm-hmm. your story before you got down to your takes. I wanted it to be like our first interaction, but there was there's quite a few moments where I had to pull back, <sighs> you know, the the emotions creeping yeah. in. But it's just it's such an incredible story, and you know, I hope there's many people that can leverage these moments and what you've been through just to you know be strong in their own lives as well. Hopefully, yeah. Good. Well, thank you for coming in, Sean. Have a wonderful Thanks, day. Me.